You know the phrase, I told you so. You can nod if you've used it. You can nod if it's been told to you. You can even nod if you were thinking about it already today. Oh, I told, told you so. I can't hear that phrase without thinking about the old Randy Travis song, I told you so. You may remember that country music song from 1987. It's a song that he is singing about a girl that he lost. And as he looks back later in life, realizing what he missed out on, what, that was right there, he asks her, would you say I told you so? I suppose one of the great gifts of country music is that it can convey truth and describe life in all kinds of ways, not just those relationships that are lost, or the dog or the truck or whatever else gets lost, right? But we do sort of experience being told or saying, I told you so, probably kind of regularly. I told you so when something happens at work, when you knew it was going to go one way, but oh, your boss resisted. I told you so at home when you have to withhold dessert because the room is not clean or something like that. Anybody yell, I told you so at the television this week because their ball team didn't do what it is you told them they needed to do? They just couldn't hear you through the speakers. I told you so. I actually though wonder if... if if Jesus has a case for I told you so this morning, because Jesus is being stalked by the, the powerful leader Herod today. Jesus laments for Jerusalem and the people. Jesus points out that prophets are rejected in their hometown and they're not going to receive him as a prophet. And in a way, this passage is kind of one big I told you so, or foreshadowing of an I told you so. And today, I hope we can take some steps as individuals and as a, a people to make enough space so that we can listen to the ones around us who might otherwise later on say I told you so. How do we make space for the, the Spirit of God and the, the prophets who have voice among us so that we're not left thinking, yeah, yep, yeah, someone told us so. Let's think about what this word has for us as we turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13, verses 31 through 35. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, Get away from here. Herod wants to kill you. He said to them, Go tell that fox for me. Listen, I'm casting out demons and I'm performing cures today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I'll finish my work. Yet today and tomorrow and the next day, I must be on my way. Because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together 
as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you, and I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If your Bible's open and you look back at Luke chapter 13, you'll see that Jesus has been busy teaching and healing. He's offered difficult words and a call to repentance. He shared a parable about a fig tree and a landowner who wants a little more time. He healed a woman on the Sabbath and then has to argue for the fact that he healed someone even though it was on the Sabbath. And then he gives the parables of the mustard seed which grow from something small to something great. A parable of the yeast which we rarely read. An image of a narrow door that not everybody makes it through. And then finally, as the chapter comes to a close, Jesus tells this story, this interaction about the Pharisees and Jerusalem and Herod. And he talks about who it was he was sent to protect, but, but maybe can't. To say there's a lot going on in these four verses is a bit of an understatement, actually. But it's totally true. There's a lot going on here. The story opens with the news from the grapevine. You know, Herod is coming to get you. He wants to get you. Jesus says, go tell that old fox Herod that I got work to do. And it feels like this is a glimpse into some, some candor that, that we often don't really see in Jesus. So often Jesus is portrayed as the perfect Stoic, wise teacher who has the right thing to say every time, has the right way to convict and the right way to keep us moving in the right direction. But, but this time it does feel for once a little bit. Jesus has a little spunk to him. Go tell that old fox Herod. Something like you and I might say, sarcastically or... or Quickly, a little quip to kind of get back at. I'm busy. I got stuff I'm working on. But this is hardly a throwaway line from Jesus because, because on the surface it seems quick and short. And, and if, you, if you move on, you might forget. Because he goes on to talk about Jerusalem and prophets and this and that. But, but remember at the end that image comes back. The image of the hen house. Oh, how I wish I could gather the, the people of Jerusalem under my wings like a mother hen protects her brood. But Herod is the fox in the hen house that Jesus wants to protect. Herod is trying to prey on the people of Jerusalem and they're, they're missing it. They're not seeing what Herod is all about. They miss how Herod, this, this government establishment, taking advantage of the most weak and vulnerable. Herod is the chief fox looking to pick off some chicks from the hen house. That's the first thing that's going on in this passage. Now secondly, he wants to protect 
after he wants to protect his, his people. The, the way he's going to do this is different than we can imagine. He talks about he's got work today and for tomorrow, but then on the third day he's going to finish his work. And you and I know, most of us have been in church enough to know, that this third day doesn't mean like I'm working Sunday and Monday, but Tuesday I'll be done. The way you and I might check off a project list. For Jesus, this third day language is metaphor and it's imagery. Jesus looks at the road ahead and he points at the restoration that's going to come. The work that will be accomplished when on the third day he rises again. And this is the real work that Jesus is about. Oh, his, his, he's working with teaching and, and healing and being a rabbi and, and doing things with the people. But everything he's doing along the way gestures towards that third day. These are glimpses of the promise of healing and hope and resurrection that comes through God doing something we didn't even imagine was possible. But the people don't quite hear it. They're thinking about Monday and Tuesday. And how's he going to be done by then? I don't know. And then this is all mixed up with this lament for Jerusalem. He laments Jerusalem, the people of Jerusalem, and the people who represent Jerusalem or who are represented by Jerusalem. Which is the ones who may not see his profoundly prophetic message. Jerusalem is the ones that don't see how God is at work through him. They don't understand the power of the Holy Spirit that is right there with them at that very moment. They miss it. They miss it inside Jerusalem and they miss it outside the walls of Jerusalem. Because Jerusalem is is not just a zip code, but it's the establishment, it's the institution, it's the people who are, are most in charge working to keep a prophet from having a voice in that day. The ones who are working hard to keep Jesus' message out because they don't want it to change them. So Jesus laments for Jerusalem and and he wishes they could see God's work through him. Jesus wishes Jerusalem weren't a a bunch of people who were closed-minded and afraid of change and, and unwilling to let go of power and influence. And so all they do is they absorb this nuisance that is Jesus and they put him off and ignore him. Because, you know, we'll just deal with this real quick and then it won't be a problem anymore. They bring it in close, keeping their enemies closer. Try not to let it change them too much. And maybe that's where the message starts to meet us today. Because you see, to receive this message from Jesus, this message and all the messages that would ever come from Jesus, requires us to to have an open mind and to have, maybe more important than an open mind, an open spirit. It requires that 
that, that we realize that God could and want to work among us. And if God is going to come in and, and work among us, it's probably going to take us somewhere we haven't been yet. Calling us to do something we might not have ever done before. And to sense how God wants to work requires us to make enough space to let God work so that we can process this, we can absorb it, we can contemplate it and prepare for it. And Jerusalem was unwilling to do it. Jerusalem was way too close to seeing what Jesus was doing. And and so they, well see, they were just convinced that this is the, prof, the, the, the carpenter's son from Nazareth. They were convinced that, well, we'll just be tolerant of his ministry and his ideas and his ways, but, but we're just, we're just going to let him stay over here and we're not going to be hospitable because we don't want this to change everything. They didn't want to have their thoughts and their spirit to evolve in any way. They didn't want to be open to possibilities. And and since they didn't make enough space to be open to what God might be doing, the Messiah walked right with them. And they completely missed it. They took for granted that Jesus was, was with them and they just let him go. They were so close to him that it was the closest to him who missed it the most. And I wonder if the import for the story for us today is that sometimes the prophetic word among us is, is so close to us that we dismiss it the same way Jerusalem did. It's so close to us that we miss it. We, we look right over it. And the question we face is, how can we make enough space to step back to see how God might be at work among us? Even, even us. There's a, a story uh, I heard that it turns out to be an Indian proverb. Indian as in India. And it's about a group of blind men who come upon an elephant. And they don't know what the elephant is. They've never experienced it before. And so as they're blind, they start reaching out to touch and feel, and they start to tell one another what the elephant is. And one of them says, well, well, the elephant, it's just a big, long, fat tube. It's about this big. The next one says, no, 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 the, the elephant is like, an elephant is like a tree trunk. You can just reach around it, hug it. No, 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 an elephant is not like that. An elephant floats. And it's big like a wall, but it floats up in the air. Last one says, no, 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 an elephant is, is like, like a, a dog's tail, but bigger. It's, it's bigger. And everyone is convinced that they know exactly what the elephant is like. But none of them really know, because none of them are able to zoom out far enough to see which you and I know, which is an elephant, is a huge animal made up of many different parts with big floppy ears and and, and some of them have big tusks. Elephants have hair. Elephants can be trained. An elephant can carry a load and when need be provide transportation. 
and an elephant is so much more than what we could feel through just our hands. Which I think brings us back to Jesus, which is, we have a tendency to claim that we know something based on our limited experience. And in doing so, we then might have the tendency to ignore someone else's experience. And the call is to step back far enough so that we, who might be right here with a prophetic word, don't miss it. That we don't act like Jerusalem who ignored Jesus' message. That we don't fail to hear the prophetic word among us. Because, oh, we already know that. That's just so-and-so's kid. Or that's just the thing that they're into. Or, you know, that's just what the kids are doing these days. Jerusalem didn't listen to Jesus. They just saw him as one thing. Some of them probably saw him as a rabble-rouser. Some of them saw her as him as some teacher. A few of them saw he was the Messiah. Not all the Pharisees missed it. But many of them were unaware or un- unwilling to experience what it is God might do. And, and so they didn't make enough space for him. They didn't make enough space to allow God to be at work among them. And we, we fall in the same trap. We take for granted those who are closest to us. We ignore the truths that, that, that others might be willing to share. We dismiss those who grew up among us. Not sure how they could speak to us when we raised them. And most of all, we ignore the news or the call or the, the prophetic word because sometimes we would just rather not change. We'd rather not be open to how God might be working, because we know God just worked that way in the past, so we're going to keep doing that. And in that way, we fulfill the prophecy of a place like Jerusalem, where the prophetic word goes to die. We avoid change, we avoid God's prophetic word, and then there's no trust among us that God might be at work in a new way. And so... We have to face that we might be called by God to do something different. I believe God calls us as Oxford Baptist Church and us as Christians to make enough space to hear the prophetic word. We're called to step back. We're called to let go of some of the things that we hold on to so tightly and to open our hearts and trust enough that the Spirit might actually be at work. And in doing this, we make space for those who are closest to us to share God's prophetic word to us. We make space to allow the Spirit of God to work within us and engage us in in that which is going on all around us every day. And we make space to experience the kingdom of God most present and most powerful among us even right now which is exactly what Jerusalem missed, but it's exactly what we all most need, isn't it? 
We want and need to be the kind of people, the kind of congregation who don't want to act like Jerusalem. We don't want to be like that. Which means we need to listen to the prophets. It means we need to take the Herods among us and push them out and get the foxes out of the hen house. It means we need to realize that a ministry of love and grace and power and healing is already at work among us. And it will not end until the resurrection comes. As long as we don't stifle it. And so for now, we need to seek space for God to work among us. We need to figure out who the prophets are among us and allow ourselves to be open to them. And to help them to shape a prophetic word in a way that would minister to all of us. And we need to trust that when God is at work through the prophets, It's not just to make us change, but it's to bring about God's good work in the world. There is no greater good than sensing God's guidance and engaging in God's work because we've responded to God's call. There is no greater gift than that. And the prophets among us call us to that very thing. Back when Randy Travis first sang that song, I Told You So, there was no such thing as Google, I don't think. But when you enter I Told You So country music into the Google machine, many of you will know that Carrie Underwood sang the song as well, right? Twenty years later, Carrie Underwood made a version of the song, probably because it was a good song, maybe because she needed to fill an album, but also because... There is a timelessness to the message of I told you so. The lesson of I told you so is that all around us there are ways that God is at work. There are possibilities and and prophecies and calls upon us which can bless our lives if we will follow faithfully and will bless the world because we follow faithfully and because we're able to use the gifts God has given us as a part of the work of the kingdom of God. And so today, we can be left wondering who among us might be able to say, I told you so, 20 years from now. But in doing so, let us not just play a game of comparison. Let us step back and make room so that we can be open to God's work and witness. We can be open to God's power that is among us. And let us not be like Jerusalem for whom Jesus would say, I told you so. Let us get on board and make space for the prophets among us now so that God's kingdom will come and God's will can be done now today on earth as it it is in heaven. Will you pray with me? Holy and loving God, we give you thanks for this day. We give you thanks for the message of Jesus which comes to us and which challenges us to open ourselves up to the prophets who are among us. But Lord, we also give thanks that there is a prophetic word among us. A prophetic word which is not here to make us change or to make us uncomfortable, but but is here to make us, shape us, and guide us and align us to your work through us, through our gifts, and through the places where we live and move and have our being. 
And so, Lord, we give you thanks for this day. We give you thanks for the challenge of a prophetic word. And we give you thanks that if we step forward, hoping, and, hoping to receive your word, that you will bring it to us and that you will guide us through wisdom and you will guide us with courage that we might make space for your work to happen in the world with us and through us and to us. And so, Lord, our last prayer is that you help us. We ask you to help us see this and help us to experience it so that we might be instruments of your love and peace today and forevermore. This, O Lord, is our prayer, and we offer it in the name of Jesus Christ, our risen Lord. Amen.